and greatly to be praised. We worship your mighty name, Jesus. We lift you up tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. It's always great to feel his presence as we're worshiping together, lifting up the name that is above every name. Aren't you thankful you know that name, the name of Jesus? Amen. Greater than any sickness or problem or disease or giant or devil, we can speak the name of Jesus. Amen. And we know that we are on the, the winning side. Amen. And it's so good to be here to worship together in spirit and in truth. Amen. To give God praise. Amen. For all that he has done and for who he is. We have enough to give him praise, I believe, for the rest of our life just for what he's done. But it's going to take all of eternity to worship him for who he is. Amen. And he is our Lord and Savior, the King of kings, the Almighty God, the one true God. Amen. And there is no one like him or beside him. Amen. And so we're uh, thankful to know who he is. Amen. Amen. As our ushers come, we want to uh, greet everyone. So good to have everyone t tonight to worship the Lord. It's so good to see the Coogans. Uh, Coogans are down here and, and everyone else, our guests and friends and family. Amen. I have to, I need to start keeping track, but I feel like it seems like uh, it always happens every year that our first cold front of the year, then a, a snowbird shows up. I've, I really feel like that's something happening there. Uh, so we, yeah, we want it to come. Uh, and we want all of our snowbirds to come. Um, but uh, it's always great to walk out in the morning and to feel... Uh, something below 70 and uh, we get all excited uh, but uh, it's so great to see the Coogans and everyone here tonight um, we want to remind you that uh, coming up uh, Sunday obviously we have our friends and family day big service we're looking forward to uh, all of that we'll send out a text tomorrow for uh, some help uh, a help sign up sheet to help us all uh, run efficiently this weekend, lots of tasks and, and responsibilities. We all work together as a team, as we always do. Amen. And so uh, look forward to your help uh, any way that you can. Um, this this Saturday, we have a prayer downtown uh, at 8 o'clock. We want to reach our city, and also we can invite more people to Sunday. Uh, so we're uh, looking forward to that. Also, before I forget it, uh, if on Sunday, if you can... Uh, I don't know where you park, but uh, there's limited parking here, uh, and so I know we, we do a decent job filling it up, and so if you want and, and are willing and are able, and maybe if you can park even further in the back because we want to make room for anyone else, uh, the last thing we want is uh, lots of people coming, but there's no place to park for them. Uh, so we should be the ones uh, pour out our parking spot and give it to somebody else, and we'll if we have to walk, we'll walk. But we want to see them walk through the doors. Amen? Amen. So if you can help me with that, if you can. Um, we're going to have some uh, some inflatables and stuff. I don't know if they'll be set up Sunday morning at that time you get here, but we'll be cone, there'll be cones in this field. So let's all not park there. But uh, it's just going to be an organized mess, I guess. Parking lot, right? But that's okay. Amen. So uh, we want to continue to pray for that, our weekend, and uh, that God uh, would reach souls. 
many people would come, and uh, we want to pray for those needs in the in the body. Uh, Sister Kaylini at the hospital, and those who are out sick or traveling, God knows a need. Amen. Let's go before the Lord together. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, for this time, this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done, your, your grace and your hand upon us, God. We know that you have blessed us, God. We're giving back to you, God, of the many blessings. We ask you to touch each and every need, every situation. Uh, plead the blood of Jesus over their lives, their situation, and their homes, God, that you would get the glory, God. We help us, Lord, to do your will and to follow after you. We're going to give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's come and give unto the Lord. Kids' church can be dismissed tonight. Amen. Is good, amen. Amen. All right, as we are staying, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 14. As we are continuing in our series, um, the word of the Lord says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We all want to see the Lord, uh, and so we want to obey what the Bible says. Uh, it is our guide map uh, to get to him. Amen. So tonight is part five, uh, believe it or not, of the sword of separation. Turn to a few people and, and greet them as you're seated this evening. Amen. So this is, we've been talking about um, holiness and what that means and what the Bible teaches us about that. And um, obviously this is uh, geared toward those uh, who have been here a long time. If you're new to church, new to the body, then, uh, you know, we, we don't uh, lay this weight upon anyone um, but we, we trust that the Lord will lead and guide you uh, down the path of holiness as he has called all of us to uh, pursue after holiness because without it, no man shall see the Lord. And so uh, we don't uh, cast stones or we don't judge, um, especially kind of what we're talking about tonight and have been talking about is, is how to live a holy life. And Paul sums it up in Romans 12 uh, one and two, talking about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And what is acceptable unto us, <clears throat> excuse me, what is acceptable unto us can be drastically different than what is acceptable to God. And so the pursuit of holiness is really to find the heart of God, to find the spirit of holiness in what uh what pleases God and what he desires, and that's what we should strive for. We all have opinions uh, along the way, and, um, you know, those really don't amount to much. 
uh, when weighing up against the Lord and his word. And so we want to, uh, we've been diving into uh, living a holy life and what it means to live uh, an apostolic life and to, uh, to look holy and to act holy and uh, not just outwardly but inwardly. Uh, because the, the, the Pharisees, they had the outward appearance going, but the inside was rotten. And, and the only times that we see Jesus really getting mad and rebuking people was the Pharisees. Because uh, they, the, the outside of the cup was clean, but the inside was filthy and dirty. And uh, God looks at the heart. And he knows uh, the heart. And uh, we talked about how... Um, it's not just the inward holiness, but an inward holiness will lead to an outward holiness as well. Um, and, and so uh, we, we kind of finished off uh, last week talking about um, how, how we are to, to dress and appear, uh, in, uh, address our bodies and appear in, uh, in this world. And um, talked about how Adam and Eve, uh, they, they made their own apparel. And they thought, well, that was fine in their eyes, but God's standard of clothing was uh, different um, and obviously more modest than what they had put together. And so uh, I believe, and I, I know we all believe that the Bible is, is our, our, our guide map, our guide to get to heaven. Uh, the, we have the, the plan of salvation is spelled out there in Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name and get filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking out of the tongues and how that is just the beginning of the journey and walk with God. Uh, that is not the finish line, but that is the beginning. And after that is the, the battle of uh, our life, that is to live a righteous life, holy and separate unto the Lord. Uh, that is our reasonable service, and so uh, this is the part that uh, we 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 talk about. Uh, we re reiterate about how we are to present ourselves in our bodies, um, uh, because it it needs to be brought up. Um, I wish that he can just teach it one time, and everyone would. Uh, adhere it and 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 listen to it and obey it and but uh, the good thing is, is we got new people coming in so this constantly needs to be retaught as much as we teach Jesus name baptism we need to be teaching about holiness and righteous living and how to live in a, a, a an ungodly world but to be uh, godly and appear godly and uh, sadly we live in a day where people will get more frustrated and furious when the pastor starts talking about holiness than if he was talking about sinfulness. Uh, you start talking about holiness and holiness standards and living and, and people can get upset. Well, if we were to get that upset about sin, maybe maybe things would be different. Uh, but uh, we, we aren't supposed to... Uh, we, we, we don't really like or feel comfortable or we should actually welcome talking of, about holiness and teaching of holiness because if the Bible talks about it, we should want to know it. Uh, but I think the, the issue is is that, um, you know, sin doesn't necessarily bother us anymore because hopefully we've separated ourselves from that life. Uh, but that still, we should still have a heart to reach the sinner because we were once in that position. 
Uh, and so maybe why we get so uh, uncomfortable, or, or we shouldn't, but people would get uncomfortable talking about holiness is because now holiness uh, kind of affects us. Sin shouldn't affect us anymore, but holiness should still affect us because we want to see the Lord and we should follow after holiness. And, and so uh, maybe that's why people don't like to talk, to talk about it or it's probably why many churches don't even talk about it, uh, because it's a sort of separation. Uh, many people and those in the seeker movement are uh, seeking after uh, people in the world. They, why would they teach about holy living if um, they're trying to attract uh, uh, sinners and if all you have to do is believe and you're good to go, then... Uh, why would you want to teach something about how to dress and how to act and how to live? Because uh, they may not uh, stick around. But uh, Jesus said he's bringing a sword. Uh, and uh, I believe holy living is a, a sword of separation that we are to follow after. Because uh, above all, we have been called to separate ourselves from this world. And that should be applied in, in, in every area and every aspect to the best of our ability uh, how do we separate ourselves from this world, but while not separate ourselves so much and so far that we don't have an impact on the world because we are, we are called to go back in to the, to the fields of harvest and, and help reach people. That's where we were at one point. We were in a harvest field and somebody came to us or our family or, or throughout the line. Somehow the truth got delivered to us and I'm thankful uh, for somebody delivering the message of truth and the message of the gospel. And so now that we have been given that torch or that baton of truth, uh, how selfish of it would it be for us just to hold it to us? And not pass it on to somebody else. And so we have to have a, live in this world but not be of the world. And that is the, the battle of, of separating ourselves and, and the best that we can while maintaining an, um, uh, uh, an avenue that we can reach others in this world. Uh, and so 1 Thessalonians 4 and 7 says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, uh, despiseth what? Despiseth holiness. Despiseth not man, but God, who hath given us his Holy Spirit. And so uh, whoever doesn't want to talk about holiness, uh, it's kind of crazy because God is holy and he's calling us to be holy. And so whatever, uh, we shouldn't be despising it. If we are, then we're despising God because he is holy. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit that we all want, uh, we accept uh, Him into our life, uh, then we should be prepared to uh, present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Uh, and so holiness goes hand in hand with biblical doctrine. Uh, it is a doctrine of, of the Bible that is not taught much, but it needs to be taught. Uh, and so... Holiness is not about conforming to a bunch of rules. It is about being transformed by his spirit that's inside of us. And think about it. It's, it's not that we're, we try to get together and, and put together some kind of dress code of, that pleases uh, us, but it's, uh, we are these, these, these human beings, and all of a sudden we get filled with the Holy Ghost, 
uh, a Holy Spirit of God. And to, to keep on walking and living life as normal is, is crazy. That's, that's not going to happen because you have this supernatural experience and encounter with the most holy God. Now he's living inside of us. We profess we have the Holy Ghost and his spirit inside of us. And that, that powerful spirit should have an impact on us. It should have an impact. We can't. Uh, for us to keep that hidden inside, oh, holiness is an inward thing. It is, uh, but the all-powerful all spirit of God, you're telling me you can contain that inside and have not effect on your outside appearance. Uh, Jesus talked about having the Holy Ghost as of rivers of living water flowing out of us. And if you have the strength to withstrain a river inside of you, then you're pretty strong. But uh, no man can restrain the, the, the Holy Ghost and, and Spirit of God. And so um, uh, God has called us unto holiness. And so we uh, should embrace that life to follow after him because as uh, the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And, and so the good news is that if you are, if you are a spirit-filled child of God, you already have an internal holiness that is his spirit. Uh, there's nothing really good inside of us except the Holy Ghost. Uh, nothing worth holding on to in our life except what God is putting in our life. Why would we want to hold on to something that is old and corrupted and, and, and falling apart and, and sinful? But having the Holy Ghost, we have uh, the internal holiness. But we must let him reign in our life. We must let him go, have free reign in our life. Uh, to to uh, believe that we can have the Holy Ghost but keep him caged up somewhere and we can still live how we want to live, that's craziness. Um, and who are we to, to restrain the Spirit of God? And so if we want the Holy Ghost, if we want to be filled with the Spirit of God, once he does that, we should let him go in our life and have uh, ultimate authority and ultimate say in, in every situation, in every matter of our life, whether it's dress or lifestyle or whatever, or conversation or whatever it is, uh, it should be holy because we are a child of God and we are to give God glory in all that we do. And so, uh, since holiness is God's very nature, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive this holy nature. And obviously, receiving the holy nature is going to combat our carnal nature, the flesh and the spirit. There's where the real battle really begins when you receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, because now those two natures are really going to go at it, and it depends on... Uh, you know, what you feed the most is, is, is most likely going to win. Not that uh, God's spirit loses, uh, is not as powerful, but we decide what we're going to feed. If we're going feed to the, feed the spirit of God, then that's going to keep growing and growing and growing. If we feed our flesh, that's going to grow stronger and stronger. Uh, and, and there's two paths. Uh, obviously, following the spirit leads to life everlasting and following the flesh and carnality and sin leads uh, to death and destruction. First uh, Chronicles 16 and 29 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 
Now, we love talking about worshiping God and singing praises and all these things, but here we are told to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So uh, our lifestyle, uh, living a holy lifestyle, is also an act of worship. Don't just come in here and clap our hands and sing praises to God, and, and that's one part of worship, but another part of worship the rest six days of the week is how we live our life. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness is a part of who we are as a worshiper and all that we do is to worship him in a, a holy way. Uh, Psalms 29 and 2, give unto the Lord uh, the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Hopefully you're maybe starting to pick up on a trend here. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Uh, the second time it's mentioned, uh, let's go to Psalms uh, 96 and 9 says, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all uh, the earth. Uh, so here we go. The trifecta three times. This little phrase is mentioned and repeated in scripture. Obviously, it's, it must be uh, have some weight to it, right? If it's repeated three times, three different locations. Uh, and so... Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And so if you put up picture number one, this is, we're going to look into this phrase real quick. Uh, I don't know if you can see that. Can you see that? Okay. So worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So worship, uh, the Hebrew word is uh, sakah, means to bow down, to do obeisance, to stoop, to prostrate oneself. Uh, so that means to submit, right? Uh, to submit to uh, the Lord, uh, Jehovah. Uh, the self-existing one, the uh, inexpressible proper name of God, Jehovah. Beauty, uh, that word, Hebrew word is hadara, um, the holy adornment, glory, comeliness, ornament. Uh, so that is more of an external adornment. Um, and holiness, kodesh, is a partness, separateness, consecrated, uh, tabooed. So that means to be separated. So if you go to the picture number two, so literally the actual literal translation of worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, what that literally means in Hebrew words is submit to Jehovah in the external adornment of separation. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's what it means. Submit to God in the external adornment of separation. So we want to talk about uh, how, how we dress is important to God, I believe. It's a part of our worship and, and how we act, not just uh, what we believe, not just what verses we can quote about the gospel, but uh, we also have a responsibility as a believer um, uh, to follow after God and to submit to God in the external adornment of separation uh, and so that is one way how we separate ourselves from this world. And it's uh, getting easier and easier to separate, uh, uh, to distinguish ourselves from this world. Uh, because as we talked about last week, how uh, God, uh, uh, he, he, he likes uh, modest dress. And the devil, when we see people possessed with the spirit, they like to get undressed and walk and run around uh, naked in the mountains as the man of Gadaria was possessed by a devil. And But when he was 
devil's cast out of him, he came to the Lord clothed and in his right mind. And so God is all about uh, covering us in a modest way. Uh, and so uh, just just living a, a holy and righteous life and, and dressing that way, we stand out from this world. And it is uh, getting ever so more evident in these last days. And so our, our dress reveals to others our commitments and our beliefs. And so it is important for uh, Christians to appear to be holy and godly in front of others. Uh, since man does look on the outward appearance, it is important for us believers to display a godliness in a, an outward appearance because that's how we recognize and see each other. But we know that God sees the heart. And so it's more than just the outward appearance, but it also has an inward appearance uh, in the eyes of God. People everywhere use dress to identify themselves with certain beliefs and lifestyles. You can look through the, the different uh, ages of time and uh, you can look how they dress and you can probably identify or place uh, what part of history they're part of just by the way they uh, look and appear. Um, and so you got uh, all kinds of different uniforms or military uniform or, or dresses or, or, or suits and uh, all these things, you can look at them and, and maybe have an estimate, uh, educated guess on uh, where they uh, where they are, what part of the world they're from, and so and even even our our, our jobs, many jobs have a dress code, uh, and so you you see somebody uh, pulling up to your yard, your house, and he's wearing all brown. You you know he's from UPS, right? Uh, and so you got somebody else in, uh, you know, whatever the male people wear, the blue blue outfits. Uh, there's uniforms all over. Uh, and so if the world has uh, the liberty to set uh, dress standards, shouldn't shouldn't uh, the church and the Bible also speak to us, if not more, right? If we uh, if we complain about the pastor talking about holiness standards, but we're okay with our boss telling us how to live and dress, then, uh, you know, what does that say? Uh, so we should expect there should be a standard of, of a dress code in the church uh, because there's dress codes everywhere. Uh, but people like to really throw stones at the church for uh, declaring dress codes, but really it's a, it's a part of life. Everywhere has dress codes. Uh, and so uh, if Christians, if we, if we follow worldly fashions, then we, uh, we can find ourselves identifying with uh, ungodliness because the world's idea of fashion is, is not probably not going to line up with the Bible. And so whatever new fashions and trends are in 2022, they're probably not uh, biblical-based uh, uh, and so that's why we have to be careful of following fashions and all these things because it's not it's not stemming from the Word of God and it's going to obviously lead down a, a different path. Uh, and so um, we want to make sure we're wearing the right clothes and looking uh, looking properly and uh, that we're representing God's team as opposed to the devil's team. Uh, so uh, I think I really do think God really cares of what we what we dress like, 
what we put on and what we don't put on. Uh, Zephaniah 1 and 8 says, It shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. So obviously God cares about what we are clothed with, right, and how we present ourselves. 1 Peter 3 and 3 says, Whose adorning, uh, let it not uh, be that outward adorning of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, or of putting on apparel. Uh, Peter's talking about here, uh, it, it should, our adornment should not be uh, outwardly on how we are uh, we addressed ourselves, but he says, "But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God of a great price." And so, obviously, it has to start in the inside, because if our heart is not right, then everything else doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, we should not adorn ourselves. Uh, with, as Peter's talking about, the wearing of gold or putting on, uh, you know, f- special apparel and, and, and fancy stuff. We, we, can, we can take things out of, uh, in the wrong direction no matter what it is. Uh, you, can, you can take a watch, which, which is a functional piece uh, that we wear, a timepiece, and you can, really, you can really go crazy with it where it, it becomes more than a watch, Right? It can be, you can deck it out, and it can be, it can blind you. It's so big, or it's so, you know, so much giant jewels on it. Like, is it, is it, is it really being a, a watch then, or is it something else? That's what Peter's talking about. Uh, don't let uh, let ourselves adorn ourselves with these uh, outward of things or wearing of gold and things, because it's more than that. Um, it, those things can easily get caught up and 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 go in the wrong direction. So uh, we have to follow the spirit, uh, the spirit of holiness, which will lead us the path that God is, is pleased with. And, and so we talked about, uh, briefly talked about last week how the, uh, the different uh, garments, how God made the, Adam and Eve and he clothed them with this more of a, a long flowing garment as opposed to the, the underwear that Adam and Eve put on and thought they were okay with that. Uh, and so we see that First uh, Timothy uh, 2, 8 through 10 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, shamefacedness, sobriety, not with broided hair, uh, gold or pearls or costly array, but that which become with which becometh women professing godliness with good works. And so, here obviously Paul is talking to Timothy uh, about uh, holiness, and that it should not be about what we're covering ourselves with and putting our uh, all these things on us, uh, but uh, uh, those things. Uh, are external ornaments that uh, we we are told here not to put on, and so he tells us the to wear modest apparel, and this is more the Greek word kastoli, uh, which means a, a long flowing garment, which also reflects what the words that were used in Hebrew that God clothed Adam and Eve with. More of a, a garment that God required in Acts or Genesis chapter three, 
And so we, we, we get this, this is form of modesty kind of taught in the Bible that uh, it, it should be uh, a flowing, loosely flowing garment and it shouldn't be uh, skinny or, or tight uh, because it hugs the body and then, then what good is the clothes because we can see the outline of the body, right? Uh, and so if, if you're, I said this last time I think uh, about uh, the way we dress, that if our, if our clothes are defying gravity, then it, it could be a little too tight. You know, if, if we want, if your clothes wants to hang, naturally they're just going to fall and, and hang. But if, if they're uh, going in the wrong direction, maybe they could be a little too tight and then revealing uh, body parts uh, that, uh, you know, there's plenty of it out there. We don't need to see it in here, right? So we don't want our, our clothes defying gravity as, as a standard of holiness, I guess. Uh, and so... Uh, and so we, we should uh, dress modestly implies that clothing, our clothing provides sufficient covering for the body so that other people are not tempted. Obviously, we're, we're, we don't, we're not tempted uh, by uh, ourselves, but uh, we are tempted, uh, can be tempted uh, as we see others uh, as they're walking by in our, in our, in our sight of vision. And, and so... The last thing we need to deal with inside the church is dealing with uh, un- ungodliness or, or tight clothes that are revealing things. And, then we, you know, we're, we're here to worship God, and we don't need to be distracted by all kinds of other things. Uh, again, uh, talking about uh, uh, people that have been in the church for a while, and so this should, this should come natural to us as an understanding of this. And um, people new to the faith, obviously, uh, or maybe not understand this. They, 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 they can see the outward appearance. And they, they dress differently. They look differently. Uh, why is that? And this is why we talk about this. This is why we dress the way we dress. Uh, because believe it or not, the Bible, the Bible addresses these things. Uh, and so we want to teach all of the Bible, not just the parts we like. We've got to teach the whole truth and, and do that. And so... Uh, moving into how we uh, we we dress, uh, Deuteronomy 22 and 5 it says, "The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man; neither shall a man put on a woman's garment." Boy, is that ever appropriate for today's day, huh? Uh, and so, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord. So, believe it or not, God wrote this you know, 4,000 years ago, and how, oh, how it applies today. If we would just open the Bible, and what, I wonder what the Bible has to say about that. Well, there we go. Uh, and so the Bible doesn't clearly, uh, when the Bible doesn't clearly define something, we need to look at the underlying principle and apply it today. And so uh, this is very broad. Uh, what does this mean for 2022? Uh, because the clothes we wear today, uh, are not what they wore back then. Uh, so what is God trying to teach here? Um, I believe God is teaching uh, gender distinction, that there's a distinction between man and woman, and how we dress should also reflect that distinction, that there is a difference between man and woman. And we ended the service last week talking about how the bathrooms even declare that. The bathroom sign, you, you look at the sign, you know that's a woman. How do you know it's a woman? She's wearing a dress. 
And how do you know it's a man? He's wearing pants. And so the bathrooms are declaring holiness, uh, and that's how we know where to go. Uh, so the Bible also declares holiness, so we know where to go, right, the right direction. And, and so and what the world is trying to do and is, is doing a crazy, uh, unbelievable job is blurring the lines and causing confusion among people and, and uh, that they're so, so far as much that they're going after the kids and, and uh trying to change them, and it's, it's sickening. It really is sickening. It's one thing when, uh, you know, we, they, they're going after uh, adults, but when they cross the line and go after kids, that's just, that's just evil. That's just pure evil in my mind. Uh, and so, uh, but that is the world that we face and we live in, and so we have to uh, bear that sword of separation that, no, we don't believe that, and we're not adhering to that, and we're going to listen by to the Word of God and what the Word of God says, um, and it is clear it does not uh, sow uh, seeds of confusion because First Corinthians says God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. And so James also says in 3.16, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And so where there's confusion, there's going to be every evil work. Uh, and so you can see it out there when, when people are confused or about their genders, it's just... And they're really off. Uh, you can really tell they're confused. I'll tell you why. Because there's every evil work working in there. Uh, and so, again, the Bible here, it talks about it. It's not my words. Uh, it's, it's in the Bible. And so we have to teach it. And so uh, historically, men and women have uh, worn robes for the majority part of human history, long flowing garments. However, it was important uh, the most important gender distinction was not simply in what they wore, but how they wore it. Uh, there were male and female ways of wearing uh, clothing, even in the biblical times, because uh, the Bible talks about uh, in Job 38 and 3, it says, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Uh, and so what this was referring to is the, the garments that they, would ma the, they were wearing. Uh, the man would grab the, in between their legs, they would pull it up and stick it in their belt. And then they would have some kind of uh, breeches, almost like a pants-like thing, like um, uh, parachute pants of the 90s. Remember those things? Uh, big flared out legs. Obviously, if you, you take a, 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 a robe and you grab up the bottom of it and you tuck it in the belt, then you're going to have uh, things. But it would still cover their legs, uh, but that would man, men would do that when they're going to war because it's not like they would go and change into camouflage. Uh, they, you know, they, they girded up their loins like a man and they would go in to fight. And so that was a distinguishing aspect of, of, of a man uh, than a woman. And so for a woman to gird up her loins uh, was, was not a good thing, obviously. Uh, that's why Deuteronomy says a woman shall not wear that pertaineth to a man uh, because there's gender distinction. We want to understand and know uh, that God is, is working in there and separating us from one another. And so uh, even more so, the priests wore things under their robes. They are called breeches. 
uh, under their robes. Exodus 28, 42, and thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness, talking about the, the wardrobe of the priests because they'd have to climb the stairs of the altar. And as you climb the stairs and get higher than other people, uh, you can expose, obviously, your, your nakedness. And so they would, uh, the priests would wear these breeches underneath uh, to cover themselves, and women were not aware, allowed to wear these breeches because it was for the priest's duties. And so uh, according to the Hebrew lexicons, breeches means trousers that extend below the knee. Uh, so this covered the knee, and so later, the later English word breeches developed from this term. Anyone ever heard of breeches? Uh, also then became more the concept of pants. So women in the Bible did not wear these crotched garment or pants because of God's disapproval. And so pants were worn exclusively by men for the first 5,900 years or so of human history. But now, only in our, our latest century, now all of a sudden, we have an understanding, and now uh, our culture says that, uh, you know, this is, women can wear britches now. And so, but again, what, what does the Bible say about all this? Are we going to follow by uh, cultures of this world, or are we going to still adhere to what the Bible says? And believe it or not, the Bible has addresses a lot of these things. If you want to find out, uh, you need to look because it's in there. As we're talking about holiness, uh, the things that many people may not even know about, but the Bible does talk about it. And so if the Bible addresses it, we need to make sure that we are uh, reread it and apply it in our lives in 2022, however that looks. And we can't be upset because we're following the Holy Spirit that's inside of us to live a holy life acceptable unto God. Uh, and so uh, that is why uh, women, uh, our, our women, we, we wear dresses. Uh, they wear dresses below covering the knee because it, it, it obviously relates in, in, in to the biblical teaching of how women are to dress modestly. Um, and, and so how pants were, were for the men. And so men wear pants and women wear dresses. Uh, uh, again, gender distinction, we're just trying to line up with a bathroom sign. So don't, don't get mad at us. We just want to know where to go, right? Uh, but people take it out of, uh, people start, uh, don't understand that the Bible teaches about this. And so they start accusing the church of teaching all these crazy standards. And it's just man-made stuff. Well, well I'm just teaching, I'm just reading from the Bible so far. Uh, and so it seems like it, it addresses those things. And so... Any garment that shows a, a separation of the legs above the knee is is considered a, a, a modest thing uh, for the woman because only the men girded up their loins and had a, a separation of the leg. Uh, so that's pants that we wear and women wear skirts below the knee. Uh, and so some people dress to be admired. Uh, they please themselves. Other people dress to be accepted. They please others. Apostolics, however, we should dress to glorify God. 
We don't, we're not looking for man's opinion. We're not looking to be accepted by the world or uh, what we think is, uh, is right. We want to be accepted by God, and, but we have to go to the word of God to see what it says. And so whether we like it or love it, we have to adhere to it and, and conform to it and say, God, this is what your word says. So I want to glorify you in uh, the way that we uh, dress and appear ourselves in this world so that we can give you glory. The world's not going to understand. Uh, the world will make fun of you and mock us and, and all these things because they don't understand. And do you think they care what the Bible says? We care what the Bible says because I want to go to heaven. And a part of going to heaven is living a godly life and, and searching the scriptures. Whatever it says, it says. It's not our words. It's what God says. And so we, it's on us to whether we're going to obey and, and, and adhere to the word of God or not. I mean, musicians, if you would come. And so... Um, we got to be. We got to adhere to biblical standards of holiness. And the the other way that we, another thing that uh, helps identify us as apostolics, and we separate uh, from uh, the world, and is uh, clearly seen, uh, is that uh, we we adorn ourselves with modest apparel. Uh, we don't adorn ourselves with with jewelry. We don't wear jewelry. Not because it's some some uh, you know uh, dictator of a pastor who's saying this. No, because believe it or not, the Bible talks about jewelry and wearing it and not wearing it and, and what it means. And so again, hey, if we want to live uh, unto the Lord and follow the Word of God, we got to see what it says about jewelry. And again, uh, this is this is teaching us for. Uh, seasoned saints, and if you're new to the church, uh, you know, we're, we don't judge because we've all been there, uh, and we're all learning to walk with the Lord, but uh, uh, the Bible does talk about jewelry and, and, and not uh, wearing it, and as we had referenced here, First uh, Timothy 2 and 8, I will therefore men that pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting, in like manner women adorn themselves in modest apparel, shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Uh, and so there's teaching there of not to decorate ourselves like a Christmas tree. Uh, and so not to wear these things. It's not, it's not whether we like them or not or, or it's what the word of God says. And again, this is, has, this is a, a sort of separation. Many people would rather go to a church that you, they, they, they don't teach on this, so that way you never have to go to that crossroads, that line in the sand, whether we're going to listen to the Bible or not. And so uh, we, we see that um, whenever the children of Israel drew close to God, God actually told them to take off your jewelry. And so Exodus 3 and 5, well, actually, let's back up Exodus uh, 33 and 1. The Lord said unto uh, Moses, depart, go up hence, and thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying, unto thy seed will I give it. I will send thee an angel before thee. I will drive out the Canaanite, Amorite, Hittite, Perizzite, Hivite, Jebusite, Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And so God's saying, you guys go on ahead. 
You guys will go there. I'll send an angel to send out all these gates. But God's saying here, I will not go with you guys because you are a stiff-necked people. You're stubborn. You're not listening. You're doing whatever you want to do. I'm giving my word, the law, the commandment, and you're still not doing it. And so you guys just go on ahead. I'm not going to go without you. And when, uh, verse 4, when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and they and no man did put on his ornaments. Now, why would they do that? Why would they not do that? Obviously, God is a little mad right now. He's a little mad. And so here they are. Now, all of a sudden, in the fear of God, now all of a sudden they say, we're not putting any ornaments on ourselves. And so in response to this, God offered to reconsider his actions um, but he requested that they prove the depth of their repentance by removing their ornaments. If, you're, if you guys are serious about this, then we'll see how serious you are. Verse 5, for the Lord had said unto Moses, say unto the children of Israel, you are stiff-necked people. I will come up in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Now therefore, therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. You see, God hasn't even got, God hasn't even got to them yet. The Spirit of God hasn't even got close to them. And God's already telling them, take off your ornaments. Get, don't put any of that stuff on. Verse 6, the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And so, obviously, this was uh, God, the Spirit of God was getting ready to come in the camp. And what was their response? They, they didn't cover themselves with jewelry. They didn't put ornaments on. They didn't do anything. They didn't dress up fancy and all this stuff. Why? Because who are we compared to God? What happens is we, we adorn ourselves with all these things, and, and we, uh, they make us feel better or, or, or better looking or whatever. I don't know what it is, but... Uh, we make ourselves feel proud of what we're wearing and all these things. And we have to have, obviously, some, uh, f- we have, have a form of confidence in ourselves. But when it comes to God, it should either be what we want or what God wants. And here we're seeing that uh, uh, when God came to his people, uh, he told them to get rid of your ornaments. Don't even put them on. Don't bother putting them on. And, and so... Uh, the, the, the principle here is the closer you get to God, the less or, ornaments you're going to put on, right? Uh, jewelry is detrimental to our spiritual life because it, atur- it turns our, the attention from God to us. We promote ourselves with all these things. We make ourselves look good when really it, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to look, make God look good. We're to be a reflection of God's glory. And when, what happens when we adorn ourselves, uh, the reflection now is focused on us as opposed to God. Uh, and so... Um, we see in Genesis uh, 35, it says, Then Jacob said unto his household, to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar to God, and who answered me in the day of my distress, uh, was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the yoke which was by Shechem. 
So again, here's another encounter where they're getting ready to build an altar. They're getting ready to seek God and get closer to God. And what happens is they get rid of all their ornaments. Why? Because we're getting ready to get close to God. And so we're, we, we, we take all these things off. Uh, and so um, that's what the Bible says about jewelry. It's not, it's not my idea, uh, my uh, principles. It's, it's just reading scripture. Exodus 35, 22, they came, both men and women, as many were willing, hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold, and every man that offered an offering, an offering of gold unto the Lord. And so what happened was, when God was building the, uh, when Moses was building the, the tabernacle and, and the, the furniture of, of the tabernacle, it was all overlaid in gold. Now, if you understand this, that uh, they had no possessions. They left uh, Egypt, and so the Israelites did not own a gold mine. They were walking in the wilderness, but what happens is they took the spoils of the Egyptians. Uh, God gave them favor, and the Egyptians just gave them jewelry, gave them all these things. And so here, here they have all these uh, ornaments and, and things of gold, um, and First, we see what they did with that, and they made a golden calf of it. Where did they get the gold for that? They threw all their earrings and all those things and made a golden calf. That didn't end up well. Uh, but they also, uh, the furniture and the tabernacle of God uh, were made of gold, and they were from all of the, the ornaments of, uh, that they had. Uh, and so, really, we come to God. We should uh, see what the Bible teaches about that, and what we see here is that the closer we get to God, we start taking things off that we think is uh, fine for us, acceptable unto us. But God's teaching, hey, get those things off and, and just give them to me. Give them to the kingdom of God. Uh, and and they, they made, uh, uh, covered the furniture with that. Obviously, we don't have gold furniture. Otherwise, you know, we could melt all those things down if you wanted to give them out. Uh, but we, could, we can do something with them if you want to give them to the Lord. But uh, so when, when people remove, when, when people got close to God, they removed their jewelry. Uh, and so because, uh, you know, people, you can see people take pride in what they're, in the jewelry that they buy. And, you know, the, the argument can be made, well, I'll get a giant necklace of a cross because I want people to show, I want to show people about you. Well, you know, that's it kind of directs again back at us. Uh, the way that people will know that we are his disciples is not by a, a necklace with a cross on it. Jesus didn't say that. He said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another, by the fruit that you, that you show. People will know you by your fruits. doesn't say anything about they will know you're my disciple because you're wearing a, a gold chain with a cross on it. It says, uh, because, again, it's not the outward appearance. It's what's on the inside that begins to develop fruit. And, and God's light and, and his glory is shining and reflecting through us. And that's what attracts uh, people uh, to us is the glory of God and the spirit of God. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Eventually, eventually God did verbalize his uh, hatred for jewelry and adornments. Deuteronomy 7 and 25, the graven images of their gods shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not, not desire the gold or the silver that is on them. 
nor take it unto thee, lest thou be a snare, be snared therein. See, God knows that it can be a snare. I mean, he said gold is not evil. If you have gold bars, I can take them from you and hold on to them because they're not evil. Uh, but when you, uh, you know, you desire to have, to decorate or ornament yourself with those things, that, that can, uh, you know, be, as, Jesus, as God said here, a snare. For it is abomination unto the Lord. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. And so, uh, again, talking about how we dress and live a holy life, it's not, it's not my words. It's what the Bible says about it, and so we have to speak to it. We have to address it because we want, I want to be a, a Bible uh, teaching church that teaches all the Bible and not just parts of it. And this is, this is the dark parts that people probably don't even talk about. But hey, I want to know what the Bible says, the good, the bad, the ugly, because I need to know how to submit myself to the Word of God so that I can follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And so uh, uh, God expects our external witness um, to also be a reflection of what's on the inside. Matthew 5 and 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the light of, of God that's inside of us, somehow people are going to see it. They're not seeing the gold and the jewelry and all these things, but they're seeing the light of God and our good works that is manifested in us. And so uh, God has called us uh, unto holiness, so we want to make sure we're living a life pleasing to him according to what the Bible says because that's our guide of truth. That's what the truth is, and it's not a matter of our opinions. It's what the Bible says. And we want to present ourselves uh, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our our reasonable service. Amen. Let's close in prayer and worship tonight. God, help us, Lord. Lead us and guide us each and every day that we may follow after you, that we may uh, glorify you, God, in all that we do, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to feel the conviction, God, when we're doing something that is not pleasing to you, Lord, that we may learn and turn from that, God, and turn to you, turn to truth and righteousness and holiness, that we may worship you in the beauty of holiness. Come on, let's worship worship the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are holy, Lord. You are holy, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be holy in all that we do. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are holy, holy. Thank you, Jesus.
Let's worship him. Isn't he worthy? Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for your word. Help us, Lord, to live a holy life that is holy and acceptable unto you, Jesus, which is our reasonable service. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. If we can identify our UPS guy and other people by what they wear, the world should be able to identify an apostolic by what we wear, right? What a, what a badge of honor that is that, hey, they're a godly person. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a godly person trying to live according to the word of God. Amen. And that alone is going to make you stand out from the world. But God stands with us. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Let's go be an example and a light in this world.